Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Roto's just clapping. I guess the Mets did something good. Yes, Michael Conforto, a three-run homer, and now all of a sudden the Mets are tied up at four after falling behind 4 nothing in the first inning. All right, we'll get to baseball in, in a few minutes, I promise you that, but we got to start with uh, Patrick Peterson getting a six-game ban, a little PED, Ronas. What is up with these guys? Don't they know they get t- tested every five minutes? Why is it that they can't stay off the juice? Uh, so Paul, uh, I, I saw some report that... Uh, he was taking a supplement that I guess he thought was fine and was told by someone is fine. And I actually think there's a lot of truth to that in some of these instances. I know you got to say they have to know, they have to look at the ban list, but there's probably some people where they ask and they go, yeah, that's fine. And they trust them and then get taken because like you said, they get tested a lot. They know this, that it's coming. So I know it's easy to say, oh, I don't believe it, but I think there is some validity to it sometimes that, they do take something that they thought was valid and it wasn't. Now, I don't know if this exists. I would love to know this. I think every team should have like a team pharmacologist or something. And players have to talk to the, to the guy and say, look, I want to take X substance. Is this okay? And then that guy's job is to know what is or what is not on the list and bless what Patrick Peterson's taking. Because otherwise, I mean, I got to blame Peterson for this. I do. At the end of the day, I have to blame the player. Even if he asked somebody, the person was obviously not in the know, and the player's responsible, and now he's not there for six games. And I don't consider Peterson a druggie. I, I, I don't. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But I just think that he is responsible. He's got to know what he's putting in his body. Yeah, no, ultimately that is true. It ultimately comes down to him. And if he was advised to take something that the person thought was on the list, then it ultimately falls on him. He can't let that happen because now you hurt your team. I know. So I just don't know why teams, maybe they do. Maybe somebody could, could uh, you know, edify me and, and, and tell me why uh, that they have this. But it t- seems to me that it would be an obvious position that every, t- every club should have a guy who people could go to and say, you're my go-to guy on meds. Is this one not allowed? Is this one allowed? Or this is, look, take a look at this bottle. This is what's in it. Because maybe, look, I would agree with you that sometimes you don't always know a substance that's in a pill you're taking. But... You know, when it comes out in your urine, it comes out. Yeah, and just have someone and, and tell the players, look, anytime you want to take any supplement, call him. Ask him if it's acceptable, if it's banned. So this way you know, and we don't have to go through any of these, oh, I didn't know. So, yeah, it should be done, and you know, teams should have someone in place there where they can call immediately and say, hey, look, I was looking at this supplement. Seems like it's good. It can help me. Is this something that I'm allowed to take, or is there something in it that's banned? 
Well, for the Cardinals' sake, I mean, it's a tough one. You have a new coach. You're installing a new offense. You have a new uh, a quarterback. And now your best defensive player is gone. I know you signed Robert Alford and you drafted Byron Murphy. But, I mean, it's hard to think that the first six games are going to be very good without Patrick Peterson back there. Which means it's good for fantasy because maybe they can uh, put up more points. If there's a high-scoring games, we know they're going to play up-tempo. So, from a fantasy perspective, it uh, should be good for your Cardinals offensive players. Yeah, isn't it, Matt, crazy how you look at it? Patrick Peterson, sir, get Kyler Murray and, yeah. and Christian Kirk and David Johnson in your lineup. Yeah, look, I know there's some IDP leagues, and obviously we have to play defense, especially in the high-stakes leagues, but uh, we're always looking at mainly from an offensive perspective when it comes to fantasy football. All right, Adam, so I have to say I don't want to apologize, but I will say that in the pursuit of getting the story right, uh, I love the athletic it is just to be very old school. A lot of the articles there are really good. And there was an article written today by Michael Lombardi who basically said that the Adam Gase-Mike McCagan thing was doomed from the beginning. That McCagan is nothing more than a guy who likes to scout players. That Gase was very uh, opinionated about who he wanted and what he wanted. And to be quite honest with you, McCagnan and this Heimerdinger had basically no idea what they were doing. Their drafts have been awful. And Gase hated the talent. And he was upset from the onset that he didn't even like these guys. And he wanted them gone in the first place. But he just wanted a job. So he took the job with the Jets, even though he knew it wasn't the right fit. And it turns out that, that uh, McCagnan really basically was a glorified scout and was in the wrong spot. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was a case of them basically a gay saying, okay, uh, I'm going to hopefully win the power struggle. And, you know, like I said, when you hire a coach, you're not going to let him go after he doesn't even coach a game. Very rare exceptions. So you figured that he was going to win out in this one, and uh, it happened to be a little bit earlier than we thought. But, look, if it was a toxic environment, might as well move on. I know the timing's terrible, and it doesn't make sense for them to let – him do the offseason draft and the free agency, but you need to move on if you know that relationship is going to continue to get worse. And it was clear. I mean, that was it's been reported now for a couple months. Right. They said in this article here that Gase would have t preferred Tevin Coleman. He wanted guys who are with the team culture. He doesn't like the overpriced guys like Bell. It's not, once again, it's not that he wasn't a good player, but it, like, for example, Bell missed the voluntary workouts. He wanted a guy who was team first. I get that as a coach. I understand that. Obviously, I want the best players, but we do have to agree that these guys deserve to forget Adam Gase, who I can't stand, but these guys probably deserve to get fired on what they did in the last four seasons. Yes. Yeah, the problem is, and I think this is what people have a problem with, like, okay, so why is Adam Gase getting all this power? Like, the Jets better be right on this. They cannot be wrong because they're putting a lot of faith in Adam Gase. And if he is wrong, like many of us think he's going to fail, it's just going to set back the franchise again several years. So that's the problem is the Jets are instilling a lot of faith in Adam Gase here. Well, I think it's also not only Gase, that Gase wants to bring in a guy who understands football, who really understands that, and that's what he's hoping that Joe Douglas, who he's friendly with, can do, that they could change the culture and change the personnel, that these two guys who were there, look, that the Jets were never going to get good with them. I don't know if I agree with that. I liked some of the moves the Jets were making, but, you know, it seemed like this McCagney was a very patient guy. It's hard to be patient in the NFL. You can't be on a 10-year plan, Adam. No, you can't. I mean, you got to win pretty quickly. I mean, you see the windows shrinking right now for these coaches. I mean, sometimes you only get one to two years, and if you don't show any improvement, you're gone. 
especially in a league where we've seen teams have the ability to turn it around uh, from year to year. So there's very little patience for coaches in the NFL. You've got to really make a quick impact unless it's a clear rebuild situation where they're going to give you three, four years, but we just don't see that much anymore. It says Gase is concerned about the culture of his team. Look closely at his decisions on his players in his final season in Miami. He wanted core players who would help install his ethos and work hard. Gase understands how free agent spending can upset the culture and create more harm than good. Gase is more in line with the Patriots' way than overspending. So it had to make Gase crazy when they overspent for Le'Veon Bell. And on top of that, Bell chose not to attend the Jets' voluntary offseason program. Look, I get the ethos, and I get the work hard, and I get the culture, and I get the Patriots' way. Here's my problem when people compare everything to the Patriots' way. There's only one Patriots' way because there's only one Patriots. Oh, it's true. I mean, it's Belichick and Brady. I mean, how many people are going to be able to duplicate that combo? And then the system they put in place. And, yeah, you everyone wants that model, but I don't think we've seen – anyone kind of recreate it the way they have even the coaches that have left that team have struggled to form that culture in other places right josh mcdaniels not patricia you you know look i feel the same way with the spurs you think you can replicate popovich and tony parker and tim duncan good luck with that you can't we want to play spurs type basketball where everybody passes you can't do that you have to have the certain coach with the certain players and i think people you know they admire how these you know the spurs and the patriots but it just doesn't always work that way yeah no it's it's difficult to replicate there's a reason why though that's a special team and no one else can really do it yeah, so I get the Patriots' way. I, I respect that they want to do that. I think a lot of part of the Patriots' way and the Spurs' way, when you think about it, stems from the coaches, as you said, right, Belichick, and Tom Brady. You know, Brady, much like Tim Duncan, these guys have taken less money to stay where they are and create champions. How many people would actually do that, Adam? Yeah, not too many. Uh, that's, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, the big deal with the salary cap you know as we've discussed you know when you get these rookie quarterbacks on their rookie deals it just opens up a lot of salary and then all of a sudden you got to pay them and now you're looking at a, a problem uh, you got to get guys to come in cheap and you know the Patriots kind of just recycle and bring new people in and are able to compete year after year and we just don't see other teams be able to do that I know this may sound like a naive question to you but you're Josh McDaniels, you're Matt Patricia. You've watched Belichick for the last five years. Then you get your shot. How come you can't create what, they, what he does, even though you know what he does? Well, I think it goes back to previously what you said before. Number one, Tom Brady. I mean, when you have that quarterback and leadership in place, it just makes everything easy on the offense. And uh, they haven't gotten that quarterback when they go uh, to another place. And it's, it takes a while, too. I don't think you can just wave the wand that first year and say, okay, I, I see the blueprint and I'm going to run it this way. I just don't think it's that easy. Yeah, and no, I think you're right. I, I, honestly, I think it takes a while. And, and ownership, a general manager, to create the culture and allow the coach to create his roster because finding your guys could take three or four years. And I think what you said was very true. Let's just say that the people in, in Detroit like Matt Patricia and Matt Patricia knows Belichick's way. He's got to get rid of the bums that he has in his roster and get new guys, his guys. That could take four or five seasons. And he but might not get that chance. <laughs> right. You're three and 13 and four and 12. People don't want to wait around that long. Yeah, no, it's true. That's why it's uh, really difficult to do that. You don't have much time to make that impact. And when you're taking over a team, you're kind of stuck with probably at least half the roster. 
So then maybe it behooves you to only take over a roster where there's good players on it. Because if not, you could be you could be like a five and twenty-five in two years and then you're out. Well the problem is most of the coaching jobs that opened, you don't get that. I mean, it's not often that you get a team like the Browns where you could come in and take over. Uh, a lot of these teams are reclamation projects. Now there's a few exceptions, and I know we can pinpoint a couple, but usually you're taking over bad teams. Uh, there might be the exceptional case where the coach was just really bad and there is talent there and there isn't a major haul, overhaul that's needed. It's really a leadership and structure and a couple of pieces here and there. I think a team that we're going to see a, big, a vast improvement on this year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, definitely, because they I have think, the offensive pieces in place. Right. And Dirk Cutter, I think, was a terrible coach, and Bruce Arians is not. And I think you're just going to watch that guy come in and just give him the business. And that team, I don't know if they're a playoff team, Adam, but they're an 8-8, eight 9-7, and 10-6 eight, and seven, ten and six team right there. Yeah, if they get a couple of good bounces, a couple things go their way, uh, they could be a potential playoff team because they definitely have the explosiveness on offense to get it done, you know. And we know Arians is aggressive. He'll let Winston throw it down the field. You know, the key is... Can Winston become a little bit better at making decisions to avoid those bad turnovers? But there's definitely pieces on offense. Let me ask you this. Let's talk about Jameis Winston for a second. Is he a fantasy one quarterback? Would you take him as a starter? Maybe you don't take quarterback early. You maybe let everybody else take the Aaron Rodgerses and the Ben Roethlisbergers and the Mahomes. Can you live with Jameis Winston as your number one? Yes. Uh, I think we saw last year a stretch where he was just really good. And uh, especially if you're a believer in... Arians in that offense, which I am, uh, yeah, I think he can uh, come in and, you know, that would probably be a guy that I haven't seen his ADP, but I'd definitely consider him because I'm waiting on quarterback. I mean, I know we say it year after year, but this year more than ever, I mean, there's just so many good quarterbacks. So, yeah, I would feel fine with Winston. My guess is he'll probably go in the, I don't know, 12 to 15 range. I'll take him in that spot. All right, let me ask you this. You take Obviously, Mahomes won Deshaun Watson, right? You're taking Luck. You're taking Aaron Rodgers. You're taking Baker for sure. Those for sure. You like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? I'd probably still go Cam. Uh, you know, it seems like the shoulder is fine and he'll be good to go and he still runs a lot. So I'd probably go with him, although I think he'll be pricier. Trubisky or Winston? Winston. Russell Wilson or Winston? Wilson. Matt Ryan or Winston? Ryan. Carson Wentz? Wentz. Jared Goff? That's close. Um, I might go Winston. I'm a little bit concerned about the Rams' offensive line. They lost some pieces. I think they'll still be good, but uh, I might go Winston. And I think, too, you know, yeah, I think I'll go Winston, but it's close. Dak? Um. I'll go Winston. I'm telling you this, though. Dak's going to be one of the best values this year in fantasy football. You could win with Dak, I think. You absolutely can. He gets no respect. And just go look at what he did when Amari Cooper was there. He runs a little bit. He'll get some rushing touchdowns. He showed really good connection with Cooper. I think Gallup takes a big step up. Getting Witten back. Dak is probably going to be the guy uh, that that I want as my QB2. Like round 16. Right, and he might wind up being your QB1 many of the weeks, depending on the other quarterback you take. But he is the guy to get very cheap. He is like 16th round, basically 19th, 20th quarterback off the board. If I tell you your two quarterbacks are Jameis Dak, you happy? Very, very, because I didn't invest a lot of draft capital in it, and I'm going to get really good production. Now, the only problem is it could be a headache from week to week. If they're both really good, 
Right. You know, who do you play? Who right? <laughs> that's and you know this. That's the one thing. Now we got we got bailed out by Mahomes last year. If you had Mahomes another quarterback, Mahomes made it easy. After right. week one, you said Mahomes <laughs> is in there every week. But right. that's the one thing is when you do go in that range of twelve to twenty and you get two. Uh, if they're both like solid week to week, it, you're it afraid to make the wrong mistake. Yeah. Afraid to make and a mistake every week, right? You're going to though. You have to accept that. You go. It's not going to work out every week, but you're in good shape because you didn't spend a lot of money. Would you take the, big, ben, big, big Ben or Jameis? I think I got to go Ben, man. Lamar Jackson or Jameis? Ooh, probably Lamar because of the running, man. The running means a lot. He just needs to improve a little bit. All right. I love this discussion. I love this discussion. All right, we'll talk a little more fantasy football and, of course, fantasy baseball when full-time fantasy returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 Make it rain. It's so bad listening to these guys. The Captain Obvious here is just brutal. It's hard enough with Chris Webber. Now you throw Reggie Miller in. Here is Weber, and then Miller's like 1A, like right underneath, guys, when it comes to just absolutely the worst commenting, the worst play call. Chris Webber and Reggie Miller commenting on the same game. Guys, is worse than watching paint dry. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. You know what I need you to do? I need you to join a $35 Fantasy Football Starter League today. That's right, today. 95% payouts. Not only do we have typical 90-second per pick drafts, but we also have slow drafts where you can get four hours to make your pick. You don't want to rush? Join a slow draft now at fulltimefantasy.com. And, of course, at Play FFWC. Check it out there. Be part of what we're doing. Registration is now open. Full-time fantasy sports is the home of the top-ranked fantasy fantasy players throughout the world, Ronas. Not just in America, the world. Yeah, no, definitely check it out. It's always a lot of fun. Once you start doing one, you're going to sign up for one the next day. You really are. It's almost addictive, right? It's like once you you go there, you, you you, you can't turn away from it. No, for sure. I mean, once you get into that groove and 
you know, you start to see how things go and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I want that guy. All right, I'm going to do another draft, make sure I get him. All right, let's take a look at a little fantasy baseball afternoon ball. The Mets are playing the Washington Nationals. As Adam said before, it is four to four. Zach Wheeler letting up four runs in three innings. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez uh, out of the game after an inning and a third. Did he? Why did he leave early, Adam? He got hurt. I don't know what it was. They haven't seen yet, but he clearly knew something was wrong. And uh, the trainer came out, and he was very upset. So uh, definitely seems like something that's going to cause him to miss time. All right, that's a problem there. Robinson Cano finally getting a, a hit in RBI. And Michael Conforto with a home run and three RBIs for the Nationals. Gerardo Alpara is two for two with a, with a an RBI. And Kurt Suzuki's had a pretty good year. Two for two there, runners. You like Suzuki as a backup? Yeah. I mean, in a 15-team league, you know, it's him and Gomes uh, basically split in time. Uh, so I think both are guys that you can use. All right. The Brewers are playing the Phillies. They're in the bottom of the fourth. It's 3-3. It's the battle of the Zacks. Zach Davies against Zach Eflin. Jean Segura with a home run. Christian Yelich with a home run. If we had a draft over, Adam, would Christian Yelich be your number one pick? Uh, probably two. Probably still go Trout one. I know he hasn't put up the monstrous numbers yet, but uh, especially in an OBP league, uh, his numbers are really good. And obviously that lineup's improved with Otani back and Lostella having a career year. So, uh, I mean, it's I can't really argue against it because Yelich's just been ridiculous and he plays in a great park, but I'd probably still go Trout one and then Yelich two. All right, Zach Eflin lets up three, home, three, three runs here. I like him, but some starts are really good, but he's always capable of blowing up. Well, he's had a good year so far. He's got a 2.78 ERA. It's just the Brewers are a tough lineup, uh, especially in a good hitting environment. And in that park in Philadelphia, we know it's conducive for home runs. He's really only had one bad start this year that was actually at Miami. So go figure. Who would have thought that? That was his worst start of the year. Uh, he's coming off a complete game shutout against the Royals. So uh, he's actually has two complete games in his last three starts. So uh, he's been going deep into games over the last few. Uh, this was a tough start. I think in the leagues I had Eflin, I, I used him, but I understood that you know this could be a game where he doesn't have the best numbers because the Brewers are uh, a very difficult lineup. All right, the A's are playing the Tigers. The A's are winning 6 nothing in the bottom of the fourth. Chris Bassett, three innings, five strikeouts. Spencer Turnbull, who I do like, uh, let up six runs, but only one earned. That's always a good start with six uh, strikeouts here. Jerkson Profar with a home run. That guy's been killing me basically in every league. I expected more, but he's got uh, four RBIs on the day. And um, what do you think about Profar? Can he get it right? Yeah, I think he can. You know, they basically sat him for several days because he had problems throwing a first base and then they stuck him back out there and he actually made a, a really good play in the no-hitter by Mike Fires. So it seems like they are going to be patient with him. I think we should have seen, though, leaving Texas, going to Oakland definitely would affect his numbers a little bit. Uh, we, if you have big-time power... But he's hitting have, a, do a buck 85, Adam. Yeah, I mean, part of it, he's got a 183 batting average of balls in play. So it definitely seems like there's some poor luck there. He's making good contact. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a good walk rate. So to me, it just looks like it's a little bit of a case of uh, some poor luck right now. His hard hit rate is a little bit better than it was last year. And what I look at when I see a low batting average of balls in play, I go, okay, what's the fly ball rate? Because uh, like Rudnett Odor, his average really low, he's got a 50% fly ball rate. When you hit a lot of fly balls, it's good for power, but it also is a lot of easy outs. And Profar's fly ball rate is 35.8%. So I think he's just been a little bit unlucky as far as the batting average. And I don't think he'll be what he was last year. 
but I think he, he can be a, a productive player in a 15-team league. I only have him in one league, and you know I've kind of left him in the lineup. Uh, really don't have anyone better, and he's got that position versatility too, which which helps in the deeper formats. But you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's he can go on a surge. He's got five but, homers, 23 RBIs, and three steals. It's not awful. The average. No, sucks. I know when you right when you do that over the season, it probably comes out to be 20 and 15. What about Ramon Laureano? This is a guy he's hitting 219. I'm looking at some of these batting averages. Laureano 219, Matt Olson 211, but Olson was expected. Laureano though should be a little bit better. I mean, he's a really good defensive player, but I was expecting 14 home runs, 15 stolen bases. I wasn't expecting a 219 batting average though. Yeah, and I don't think the batting average is going to get better either. Uh, yeah, last year, you know, people saw the 288. He had a 388 batting average of balls in play, so it was definitely uh, luck over that sample. He strikes out a ton. That's the biggest problem, and uh, I don't think you're going to get good average from him. Obviously, he's going to stay in there because of his glove. I mean, he's made some tremendous catches and throws this year. Olsen, I'm not worried about. Remember, he's coming off the broken handmade bone, and I was just happy over the weekend that he hit two home runs in back-to-back games because we know the power is slow to come back when you have the broken ham eight bone. So the fact that he's already gone yard a couple times is pretty good for me. And, you know, his average, you hope for 260 from a guy like Olsen. All right, take one more look at a game here. Texas against Kansas City, top of the fifth. Lance Lynn throwing a gem four innings, one earned run, three strikeouts against Homer Bailey, who looks pretty good. Joey Gallo with his 13th home run. Uh, and Nicky Lopez, two for two, batting 455. But what I like to see here is Willie Calhoun batting second. Is there a spot for Willie Calhoun to play every day? I don't think so. Uh, you know, he did homer yesterday, also hitting second. We know defensively he's not that good. They have him in left field today. I know he lost some weight in the offseason and he was hitting well in the minor leagues. But I don't know if there is a spot for him to play every day. Obviously, Elvis Andrews was placed on the injured list. Uh, they have Santana at shortstop today, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be uh, consistent at-bats for him to get in there every day. I mean, if he hits, well, sure, but uh, you got to keep that in mind when you're looking at the fab this weekend. Is Nicky Lopez going to stay batting second in that order? Because if he is, he's in a good spot between Merrifield and Mondesi. I would think so. I mean, you look at the rest of their lineup, I don't really see anyone else that they could put in the two spot. You know, Merrifield's going to stay leadoff. Mondesi is going to be at the top. Gordon, Dozier, Soler. So, you know, who from the bottom are you going to put up there? O'Hearn's not a two-hitter. The catcher's not a two-hitter. And I don't think Gutierrez is. So, I think uh, they brought up Lopez with the chance to play. And as long as he's solid, I think he'll stay in that two spot. All right. So, let's take some time now. Um, it's Thursday, it's a getaway day. Who are some of the names that we're trying to identify in this week's fab? Because this is going to be a big week. So I've got down Nicky Lopez. I've got down Willie Calhoun. I've got Corbin Martin. I've got Austin Riley. There's a bunch of names this week, Adam. Yeah, and uh, Brendan Rogers getting the call up today for Colorado. Uh, so you got to think he's going to play second base every day. I don't know if this is related to Trevor Story, who left last night's game with a knee injury. He said it's a bone bruise, and he expected to be back in the lineup on Friday. But that's certainly a possibility that maybe they put him on the injured list. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of options this weekend. Uh, this is going to be uh, a lot of fab money is going to be thrown off the board this weekend. And I think there might be a lot of leagues where people have nothing left after this weekend because there's uh, Kisten Hurers out there. This is just a... A heavy weekend where you're going to see a, a lot of players go. It's a week where a lot of the some prospects that we were waiting for were getting the call up. Austin Riley came up, hit a home run yesterday. 
And we know he doesn't have much outfield experience. He only played four games in the outfield this year. But Ender and Ciarte went down. Oscar Mercado from uh, Cleveland is going to be someone that people go after and you know might slide on the radar now because of uh, the money that's going to be spent on some of the other guys. And I picked this guy up last week in two leagues, but he might still be out there. Ledmus Diaz. I mean, he's playing every day right now with Jose Altuve on the injured list. And some leagues he has eligibility at second, short, and third. Uh, I wrote about him in the stock watch today and put down all the games played at the different positions. If you're in a league with just one game, I mean, he's eligible in the outfield, first, second, third, and short. Uh, he's homered three times since taking over for Altuve. And the Astros are on fire right now. And he's going to hit sixth or seventh with a lot of opportunities to drive and run. So that's a guy that's probably going to go under the radar if he is available. I would think in last week's leagues he was picked up a lot, but maybe he snuck uh, past in a couple leagues. Uh, especially in 12-team leagues. But uh, Diaz, I think, is another name that, that could be out there. Who do you think the number one guy in FAB is going to be this week? Do you think it's going to be Hewer? Do you think it's going to be Austin Riley? Who would you pay the most for? I think it really depends on your roster and what you need. Uh, if you need you know, second base, middle infield, it'll be Hura. If you need uh, – well, Riley should only be third base, I think. Third base, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Corbin Martin probably would be really high, I think, because uh, pitching is really difficult to find. He's on the Astros, so uh, I think he's probably going to be the guy that goes the most because the bats are kind of going to cancel each other out. I think you're going to see triple-digit bids, though, for all these guys. I mean, Riley homered his first game, and he was killing it at AAA. Hura is a well-known prospect. He's going to go for a lot. Mercado and Lopez will go a little bit less. Calhoun will probably go for a little bit more, though I do see some people already that are a little reluctant because of last year, but I don't think you can hold that against them. I mean, just because a guy comes up and doesn't hit right away, we're going to bury him. You can't do that. So my concern with Calhoun, though, is I just don't know if he's going to have the ability to play every day uh, because they have a lot of outfielders there. They got Chu, Pence, Gallo, Mazzara. So, like, where is the spot for Calhoun to play? That's my biggest question mark. I know he's in there two days in a row, and he homered yesterday, so you know that they were going to get him in there today. But if he goes 0 for 4 today... What are they going to do tomorrow? Um, I know they've sat you against the lefties sometimes this year to get Pence in there, uh, but it, I just I don't know where the path is to playing time every day unless they sit one of those guys every day and just kind of alternate. But I, I'm not sure where the path to full time at bats is for Calhoun when you compare him to the other guys out there. If Riley's up, he's going to play every day in the outfield as long as he's a disaster. Here is going to play second base every day as long as he hits. Lopez is going to play every day. Mercado's going to play every day. I don't think we could say the same for Calhoun right now when you have Chu, Mazzara, Gallo, and Pence. And what about Brendan Rodgers, who everybody wants a piece of the Rockies lineup? I mean, let's assume that Story's out for 10 days. How much do you spend on a guy like that? But even if Story's not out, I think they called him up to play. They sent Garrett Hampson down. McMahon's struggling. Uh, so Murphy hasn't played second base at all. They've been sitting Murphy a lot, man. He has been, They faced a lot of left-handers, but he didn't start in either game against Boston. So you think Rodgers is safe? I wouldn't say safe. It's the Rockies. I don't trust anything they do, but I think they called him up to play. So I think he will get the opportunity to play every day, and if he hits, uh, he could stick. Because what's the point of calling him up? But that's, the, but that's my point. The Rockies do this. Why was Garrett Hampson up here if he's not playing? What's the point? And he was up here the whole, basically the, most of the year. So I don't trust the Rockies because they make a lot of perplexing decisions. So <laughs> I would think, based on logic, why would you call this kid up and not play him? What's the point of having him on the bench? But they've done this before. They did it with McMahon last year. 
I mean, everyone's like, why isn't McMahon playing? Why would you have that guy on the major league roster if he's not going to start? So my worry with Rodgers is I don't trust the Rockies. Do you think Oscar Mercado could keep this job full-time for the rest of the year? Yeah, because the Indians outfield sucks. I'm not sure he's going to hit. That's my biggest concern with him. But the opportunity is going to be there. Carlos Gonzalez has done nothing. Uh, I know Jordan Luplo's had a couple home runs recently. But they just lack uh, any good outfielders. So Mercado did look a little overmatched in some of the at-bats I've seen so far. But again, it's only four or five plate appearances. But he struck out three times so far in four plate appearances. So I'm a little concerned about him. But he's got speed, um, and that's a hard quality to find right now. So I think, again, this is where it comes down to roster composition. If you need stolen bases badly, maybe you were counting on Jose Altuve for stolen bases, and he's out, and he's out with a hamstring injury. So when he comes back, does he run as much? It's the Astros. Do they need to be aggressive? If you have that, then you might say, you know what? I might need to get a Mercado or a Lopez because I really need stolen bases. I'm pretty good in power, but I was counting on Altuve for 20 steals, and he has one, and he has a hamstring injury, and he might not run when he comes back, so I need to shore up that category. The other thing, too, is go look at your stolen base category right now. Even if you're middle of the pack near the bottom, you can move up five, six points with five, six steals. Now, teams are not running as much. But that's a, a guy, if you can get off the waiver wire, that's going to run. I mean, just well, that's what I bid $7 on Charlie Tilson last week in labor, Adam, because I needed the stolen bases. Yeah, and I think that's uh, why you have to kind of look at roster context. I know that, and that's the problem with fantasy baseball players. They always say, um, yeah, rank these guys. Oh, Great. Yeah. It's fine, but what do you need? We're, no. we're in May it's, now. Honestly, it's my least favorite question that we get from people is rank these guys. Because I don't know your team. I don't know your roster. I don't know your roster construction. I don't know the rest of your league. I can tell you how I rank them as individual players. But, I, I mean, I always write back to somebody. It depends on what you need. Like okay, someone, me, someone on yeah. the message board asked, I think it was like Segura and Devers. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this is obviously a shallow league. But... What Segura does is a lot different than a power hitter. So, know. you know, Segura is going to score runs. He's going to steal bases and hit you a good average. He's not going to hit for elite power. I know he's homered two days in a row. But maybe he's a 20-homer guy in this environment with the ball and in that ballpark. But, you know, he's a different player. So, Let, let me go you, back to you about, about Austin Riley for a second. What happens when Ender Inciardi comes back? Is there a job for Riley? Do they bench Josh Donaldson? Can they play him out in the outfield? Or is this a guy that is end up going back uh, to the minor leagues? What, is he, what do they do with Riley? I think it depends on how he plays in the outfield. I mean, obviously, if he's a disaster and costing them games, then, then they can't do it. They, they can't keep him out there when Inciarte is a good outfielder and you have Marquecas and Acuna. Donaldson could be hurt by then, so <laughs> maybe that happens. I mean, I think their plan was, uh, you know, Put in Donaldson for a year. You pay him for one year. You hope it works out. And obviously, Riley would take over uh, when Donaldson leaves. Uh, so I think that's the wild card with all these guys. And I think maybe it's something that people didn't look at close enough when they were spending all that money on Keyboom and Tucker and all these guys and Lowe that there's the possibility that these guys get sent down. Now, I think with a lot of these guys, they're a much better spot and they're more talented then key like key boom we knew there was risk because Trey Turner was going to be back and the report is Turner is going to be back tomorrow uh he will be activated off the injured list so you knew that Turner was going to come back and then it was okay are they going to bail on Dozier who has sucked but key boom was not good defensively and was overmatched at the plate so 
it's different for each individual, and you have to understand that because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I got burned by Kibu. I'm not spending on any of these guys. That's the wrong mentality to have. All right, so I have a quick question for you one of my leagues. In one of my crazy leagues, which I can't bear, I told you this, I'm only allowed to bid on three players. Do you bid on your favorite players? Do you try to bid on the guys that you don't think would get bid on? Do you, how, how would you approach that in a league like I'm in? So how do, how do they monitor this, that you can only bid on three? Like the software that is able to detect this? No, you type it in, and the guy, and the guy puts in the moves. He oh. literally puts in the moves. Oh, boy. It's terrible. It's archaic. It really is. We uh, wear a Benetton sweatshirt and Jordache jeans while we do the, while we do the moves on us. Yeah, I mean, look, if you have the money and you feel like you can get one, then you got to put one of the top stub ones, uh, maybe two good ones, and then one under the radar that you can get for a little cheaper. All right. But I only have $100 for the season. You spend 25 on Hero? If you believe in him, yeah. If you think he's going to play every day the rest of the year, I mean, you're getting four and a half months out of him. Potentially. True. All right. We got more baseball, including the night slate right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. Were you ever able to change your manager's mind on the mound about taking you out of a game? As a player, the, the respectful thing to do, wait till you get in the dugout. Not only in the dugout, but wait till after the game's over. If you're upset with anything, no matter what it is, wait till the next day and then talk to me about it because you've had a chance to cool down. You've had a chance to gather your thoughts and make sure you say what you want to say and not say it in a way that you don't mean it. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we are back. Tommy Lestella went four for five, matching his 11th home run last night. And if you weren't using DailyRoto.com MLB Fantasy Optimizer, you may not have had him on your DFS rosters. Swing for the fences playing Daily Fantasy Baseball with DailyRoto.com. Become the eighth Daily Roto lineup optimizer user to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament or become one of the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars. If you're playing MLB DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you are doing it wrong. 
Enter promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount, and you'll get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, and the use of the same daily roto-up lineup optimizers that produce millions in DFS winnings. That's a 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use the promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. Real quick, Ronas, Bucks Raptors, what'd you think? I wasn't surprised. I said it on the show yesterday. I liked uh, the Bucks six and a half, and it obviously looked pretty bad for a while. Just the Bucks were not shooting well early on. It took some time for them to get going. Uh, it was a little disappointing for the Raptors down the stretch. You know, that was a game you figure that they could have won easily. They were pretty much in control and outplayed the Bucks most of the night, and uh, they just didn't really get much from their bench at all. You know, the Bucks got a little bit more from their bench. Brooke Lopez was tremendous, hit a lot of uh, – Big shots last night, and it was a game I feel like Toronto kind of let slip. They let it get away. You know, the fourth quarter, the Bucks came back and were in control, and you know that 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 actually could be a game that uh, kind of changes the tenor of the series. Because I think if you watch that game, you felt like Toronto should have won, and they didn't. Not only did they not win, they didn't even cover. <laughs> you know that that was a bad. I look, I had the Bucks yesterday. I'll admit it was pretty fortunate. I mean, I've been on both sides of it. I've been on. I've had some tough beats this year, including that uh, that Rockets game where Paul and Harden missed free throws in the final 15 seconds. Yeah, I remember that. That was bad. Yeah. That's a bad beat, dude. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't say this was a bad beat because it's not like one play at the end that determined it. But you know, the Raptors were outscored 32-17 in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was pretty bad. So I wouldn't say it was a bad beat, but it was a tough loss. If you took the Raptors, but Marc Gasol did nothing, Danny Green did nothing. And Can they got I ask you a question, question about Marc Gasol? Wasn't he used to be? Didn't he used to be good when he was with Memphis? He's gone to Toronto. Where's his game now? He's got no game. He's got no offensive game. This guy used to go thirty-two and seventeen, and now he's like a zero. Uh, he's not a zero, but he has not played oh. well here in most of the playoffs. And I think it's just he's getting older. I mean, he's thirty-four, and so am I, Rollis, But come on. His body's taken a beating, um, so that's what it is. I just think, uh, you know, he's gotten older. He's shooting three-pointers. He's not going low anymore. I, I honestly think that these guys are struggling playing with Kawhi because he could just do everything, and they're just standing around. They don't even know where to go. They just need to know where to get out of his way. Uh, but can't you say the same thing about Giannis then? Why is he yeah. able to adjust? Well, because here's what they do. The difference is Giannis drives, and these guys are smart enough because Brooke Lopez went to Stanford and a couple other things. And what happens is they just spread the court. Giannis drives, kicks it out. They get a three-pointer. They make it. Boom. I just think they missed a lot of shots. I mean, Kyle Lowry played great. I mean, you know, it's been one of the knocks on him is his playoff, and he was tremendous last night, 30 points. Uh, eight rebounds, so he they need him to well. do that every game to, to them to be in this in this series. And they're not going to get that from him for every game. You know, Siakam shot only six of twenty. You know, that's a guy that you need more from. But uh, they really got nothing from the bench. Ibaka only played seventeen minutes. While you know, off the bench, Brogdon, Hill, even though Connaughton only played eleven minutes, he got some. Yeah, but watch big the rebounds. court spacing. Watch the Bucks court spacing. It's G. The Bucks court spacing is much like the Spurs court spacing. They all find a spot on the court. They all get open. George Hill slithers in a corner. The guy's always open. Well, Budenheiser's uh, was on Popovich's staff. Look at yeah, look at it. I'm telling you, that's the Patriots' way. That's the Spurs' way. This team has great court spacing. I don't know whether they beat the Warriors. I don't know, but they beat the Raptors because they're going to outspace them and hit some shots. 
Yeah, I don't think this series is over. I thought the Bucks would win it, but I still think this can go seven games. Again, Toronto Toronto outplayed the Bucks last night. They really did. If you watch that Yeah, whole but game, if you can't beat a team when you're outplaying them, what are you going to do when you're not? Yeah, but they're also going to get better performances from some of their guys. So, again, it's one game. We do this in NBA all the time. We overreact. Remember the Sixers were up 2-1. Toronto was done. Uh, I never felt that way. I thought the Sixers outplayed their hand then. Not you. I'm saying a lot of people. People do this in the NBA. They're like, oh, this team was terrible. I mean, probably everyone thinks Portland's going to get swept now, right? Because of that one game. Portland's going to win one game. They're going to win one, maybe two. Wait a second. Wait a second, Doc. You you went from Portland. I love Portland. I love Portland. Portland's going to win the West, and now they're winning one game. Yeah, one game. What happened? I watched the Warriors. I watched the Warriors. Oh, okay. The Warriors are so good. The Warriors are so good, dude. That you know what the problem is with the Trailblazers? They've got two outstanding guys. They do. They have two of the top players in NBA in the NBA. But outside of that, man, they don't have anything. If those guys aren't scoring forty each, they're not winning. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy for seven game series to be, to both play at the highest level for another series after just doing it in the last series. That's a lot to ask for. Yeah, but at the same, you know, the Warriors don't have a lot of depth either. But they de- they have uh, you know guys who have been there, and you know Draymond can hit threes when he needs to, man. You know Draymond know. has sacrificed a lot of his game, but that guy's a playmaker, and he comes to play in the playoffs. I know he had a shaky regular season, but uh, and, and there's some drawbacks. He's a him. gamer, dude. He's a he is. gamer. He, he's a, look. Everyone likes to kill him, and he he can be dirty at times, and. It just, he argues with the officials way too much. I just, I'm sure they've told him time after time, uh, and he does cost his team at times with the arguments, but he comes to play, man. He's, he's that emotional player that lifts the rest of the team. He's a good defender. He can guard all positions, and, you know, he steps up in the playoffs. When it's time to play, you know, he's You he's know there. he's guarding Giannis. You know he, he and Iguodala are guarding Giannis in the playoffs. That, that's huge. How many other teams have a shutdown guy like that? Yeah, not many, not many. Uh, and Clay's a good defender too. So yeah. that, that's the thing. Is uh, oh, I man. think that's why they beat the Raptors too. Don't you think that uh, the Iggy and and Draymond go drape Kawhi? Toronto Toronto gets swept in that series. Maybe they win one, but the rest of the team's not going to do anything when Kawhi gets gets draped on. Yeah, Milwaukee has a better shot to beat Golden State. Better shooters and Middleton can create a shot and Bledsoe can create a shot. You need shot creators in the NBA. All right, speaking of Willie Calhoun before, knocks in two RBIs, Ronas. One for three, two RBIs. Rangers winning 6 1. So I wanted you to know that. Let's take a look at tonight's. By the way, uh, uh, yes. there was just a collision. Michael Conforto went into Cano's shoulder. So oh, yeah. they're looking at him now. Uh, Who, Cano or, Con- or Conforto? Conforto. Um, they're talking to him, the trainer, Mickey Calloway. I can read his lips. He said he's fine, but he did look a little groggy for a second. So, You sure that was the F word he said? Yes, I am. Okay. Phew. All right. All right, let's take a look at tonight's slate, Adam. 7.20 p.m., Adam Wainwright goes back to Atlanta to play against Julio Tehran. Atlanta minus 115, 10 over under. I usually like Tehran at home. Yeah, it's a tough matchup, though, man. Again, this is only a four-game slate. You're not playing, are you? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not either. And it's not, 
It's not a great slate. I mean, we got we only got eight pitchers to choose from, though. But oh my god, this <laughs> and they all suck. <laughs> man, wow, this is definitely one you take off, man. Yeah, it's like please don't ever. And the over under in this game is ten. Yeah, I know. This is, and then you get so I mean, I don't even know what to do there. I mean, I hate Adam Wainwright; he's terrible. But uh, so is Tehran. Toronto against the White Sox. Marcus Stroman, who might be the best pitcher on the slate, against Dylan. Covey, Toronto favored on the road, minus 139.5 run total. And by the way, Conforto is coming out of the game, which is probably the wise thing to do. You need to make sure that this isn't anything serious, but uh, Robinson Cano not helping the Mets and now potentially knocking out Conforto. Uh, in this game, I, I think Stroman. I mean, he's had a couple of bad starts, though, recently, but you know, the White Sox, I think, are a team that a good pitcher can handle. So uh, I, I probably consider Stroman here. All right. What about this next game here, Adam? Pittsburgh against San Diego. Trevor Williams against Eric Lauer. Lauer started the season hot. Now his ERA is like 17. Uh, San Diego's a favorite. Minus 125 over under seven and a half runs. Do you like the Padres at home? Or do you think Trevor Williams can keep up the good pitching? Uh, I don't love either team. Uh, as far as pitchers, uh, I think you want to get some bats in there. Some of the right-handed bats for the Pirates. And uh, Josh Bell's been on fire, man. Really, <laughs> I mean, this guy is he's just good. crushing it. He's good. Would you do like a little Marte, Cervelli, Bell, Reynolds stack? I don't like Cervelli, but I understand uh, the catching position is probably very weak tonight. Looking at it, let me see. Yeah, I guess Molina's the best catcher. Although... If Castro's in there for the Twins, but uh, yeah, I mean Cervelli is cheap. You know, I've kind of used him a couple times just because he was one of the cheaper catchers. He's the cheapest guy who bats fourth. Unreal. He's like twenty eight hundred dollars. Well, he doesn't fourth. hit. He doesn't hit fourth anymore. Bell's been hitting fourth. They've moved Cervelli down, but he has not been good this year. All right, and then the Twins against Seattle. Michael Pineda didn't you know that he used to pitch for Seattle hundred years ago, right? Yes. Against Eric Swanson, Minnesota favorite minus one fifteen nine and a half runs. But I, I I would probably stack against Pineda, don't you think? Vogel Dong and Santana and Healy and Bruce and Omar Narvez, wouldn't you? Could you stack against Pineda? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, the he's been prone to the home runs. We know lefties can get him, so yeah, I definitely think that you can stack against them. The only thing I do in a night like tonight, which I, I, I say 98% I'm not playing, the 2% if I play, I will do a single entry on them because there's no way I'm going into a, a donkey tournament tonight with all these crap teams. But if I choose, if there's one stack I like, maybe I stack some Mariners and I put it with a couple of pieces and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I just think you what you do on a night like tonight is you don't go heavy. Uh, obviously, you're going to have to hit most of the guys that hit home runs or that great pitcher and we got two lines of 10 a nine and a half and then a seven and a half and if you look at the seven and a half game uh you're not in love with the pitchers i know williams has been good this year 3.40 era so maybe people go in that direction uh maybe lauer can finally have a good start at home uh but the pirates uh you know they got some some bats that have been hitting lately yeah, the Pirates are a very interesting team to They're me. They're two because, games over five hundred. Yeah, I mean, I think they could finish. Could they win 90 games? No, not in that division. There's no way. They're just they're behind Milwaukee, St. Louis, the Cubs. Uh, Chris Archer came off the injury list yesterday and sucked. So What's uh, up with that guy? I thought he was going to be a, a, a bona fide ace. 
I, I didn't. Um, I didn't draft. No, him. not for the Pirates. I mean, I, I don't mean now. I mean in general in his career. I, he's just never been the player, the pitcher I thought he'd be. I mean, I liked him for several years, but over the last couple of years, you know, he's a guy that you look at the underlying numbers and you're like, he should be better, and he just doesn't put it together. So, you know, the strikeouts have always been there for fantasy, but he's not been able to have an ERA under four in a couple of years. Um, yeah, and now I don't know if he, how healthy he is because, you know, he walked uh, tons of guys yesterday and was fortunate to get out of that first inning and – uh, right now, the walks and home runs are up, and you know, I wonder how healthy he is. Maybe he came back a little too soon. All right, let's take a look again at the afternoon game. So the Mets and Nationals in the bottom of the fifth. It's 4-4. Four, four. No, Zach it's not Wheat- anymore. What? Oh, 6-4. Six, six, four. Four. You're right, 6-4. Gerardo Parra hit a two-run homer. Oh, Gerardo Parra. Remember that night? That guy, I always thought he was going to be good. Uh, two-run homer. That is absolutely right. Sanchez left the game injured. Zach Wheeler, four and a third, six earned runs. What is the problem with Wheeler? I want to love Wheeler, but you know you just can't rely on him every start either. Uh, he's for some reason he struggled against the Nationals this year. This is their his third start against them, and they've all been disastrous starts. Now today he had a bad first inning. Uh, the first batter was a dribbler uh, to third base, but then he started to really get hit hard, uh, and he did settle down after that first inning. He was pitching well, and then. You know, that ball where Conforto got hurt, it probably should have been caught. I don't know what Cano was doing, but uh, that ball dropped in for a hit, and then he just gave up the two-run homer. But since that first inning, hit, it really settled down. And we often see that with a lot of pitchers, but uh, Wheeler is a guy that uh, I would absolutely be buying low on right now. Uh, the strikeouts are there. Uh, this was only the fourth home run he's allowed this year. It just seems like for some reason, and this happens to pitchers, that they – have that one team that just hits them, and he's happened to face the Nationals three times as the Mets and Nationals have already played a lot. Uh, but uh, to me, it's all about health with Wheeler. He's healthy right now. The velocity's there. Uh, this is a guy I would be shooting to buy right now. In fact, I would send offers today, right now after this game. All right, I'm going to do that then. Adam Rona said to do that. All right, so the a- that's probably a great idea. The A's are now up 9 nothing. Uh, Josh Fegley homers, a two-run homer, and Matt yes. Olson homers. So, so, yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, Matt Olson. I didn't. Everyone knew that it could be a struggle, but this is the best thing that has happened. And there were people I know in my great fantasy baseball invitational. Olson was dropped as soon as he went on the injured list, and I can understand that in a 15-team league if you had a lot of injuries, because it was probably the initial timetable was they thought maybe two months, and uh, he obviously came back. Early May, basically only missed uh, yeah, a little over a month because that was in the Japan series where it happened. So that was like March 22nd. So he missed about six weeks. And the fact that he's come back and hit three home runs, I don't remember this happening with many guys with broken hand points. We usually see the power diminish. So the fact that he has three home runs already is a huge boost for those that have Olsen. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you, Josh Fegley has always been a guy who really hits lefties well. But I think he can turn into a, a legitimate catcher in deeper leagues, Adam. I think he's very underrated. And, you know, maybe he bats eighth or ninth. I get that. But there is some power there. There's not a bad hitter there. Nick Hundley is nothing to speak of. I mean, f- sometimes catchers get better as they get older. And I think Fegley is starting to come into his own. Yeah, I mean, he was already owned. I mean, any catcher that go- gets hot, they're going to be picked up. So I picked up Fegley in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, like, I don't know, second week of April and just left him in the lineup. And with him and Wilson Contreras, it's given me a, a nice combo of catchers. But yeah, Fegley's hitting the ball in the air a lot. His hard contact rate is up. Pretty good A's lineup. So uh, he's probably long gone at this point.
If there, if there is a catcher. I, I use him as a, in a DFS. If I go, for, if I need a cheap catcher, Fegley's always on my mind because he can hit a home run. But is he that cheap? Not, not on DK. DK, right, every catcher is like $5,800. Yeah, so that's, that's why. And, and obviously in FanDuel, you don't have to use the catcher. I know, but sometimes you do because they're cheap, and that's where you get some value. Yes. Uh, yeah, I usually go with the cheap catcher. Like the other night, I used Maldonado at 2,400. Wilson Ramos when he has Grand Salami? Yeah, he was, he was 30, I think 35 that night, though. Was he? Yeah. Boy, I can't even remember what I did last night, Ron. So you remember that from four nights ago? On Tuesday. That's why I, Tuesday, what's today? Thursday. Oh, okay. I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too long ago, dude. All right, who's coming up in hour number two? Uh, Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. He's going to join me at 3.20. And what is he going to be talking to you about? Uh, cricket. Nice. Sri Lanka or Australia in the Cricket World Championships, Ronis? That's why I'm bringing him on. He's the one who has the answers. Not me. Have you ever watched cricket? Uh, <laughs> if I flick through the channel and I saw a fatty in the stands, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you watch cricket, you're like, I guess there's like, they don't even wear gloves in the field, dude. You ever watch it? They don't even I wear see gloves. People, I see people playing cricket in Queens quite a bit. I'm like, like uh, Flushing Meadow Park. Yeah, that doesn't stuff. shock, right? Yeah. There's a lot of uh, people out there from that those uh, countries, but they, you catch a cricket ball without a glove. That's painful. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> when your softball career is done, Ronas is playing cricket. Maybe it doesn't hurt your shoulder that much, Adam. Let's hope it doesn't. All right, feel better. All right, this is Dr. Roto saying be well, take care. Also, I want you guys to go to play ffwc.com. Adopt a dynasty orphan now. We're back right after this.